We're going to study tonight a tshuva of Rav Yitzchak Bar Sheshes, known as the Rivash, a 14th century North African Rishon. Very important for the halachic tradition. His tshuvas in general are heavily quoted by the Beis Yosef and later Postkin. This tshuva in particular was quoted and codified by the Ramah in Shulchan Aruch and Simon Aleph and Evan Ezer, the very first Simon in Shulchan Aruch, Chelek Evan Ezer. In my Pasha share this week on Sunday, we touched on this tshuva. It is a fascinating tshuva, so we're going to discuss it in more length tonight. The question will be clear, it will be discussed in the, in, in the course of the tshuva. He begins, Reisi she'laschem, I have seen your question. Aldvar ish and Shmuel. Uh, the, some, some of the names in the Arabic country were sometimes prefaced with An in the beginning. His name apparently was Shmuel with an An before it. An Shmuel Arama, that was his name. In, in these tshuvas, as we've seen, often they use uh, pseudonyms, they use Reuven and Shimon, like the John Doe type names, but in this tshuva he gives the actual name. Uh, presumably it's an actual name, An Shmuel Arama. Shirata Lisa Zikena Achas Bastishim Shana O Yoser. He wanted to marry an elderly woman who was 90 years old, or even more. V'hi almanas anbonpos Praga, Valencia. She was a widow. She was a very rich widow, as we'll discuss soon. V'hakal michubiado, the community objected to the match. We're not told exactly, we're not told exactly how old this person was, this uh, Mr. Anshmuel was. He was apparently much younger than she was. He wanted to marry her for her money, as we'll see. Bakal Michubiado, the community disapproved of this behavior. They would not allow him to marry her. They thought he was not interested in a real marriage with her. He was out for her money. She had 80 some things of gold. Apparently, from context, that was a fortune. She, she, he married her for, he, he wanted to marry her for her money. Vod, Shane Labanim, and he has no children. They apparently had two objections. One objection was they disapproved of his behavior as a gold digger. They disapproved of his uh, mercenary marriage. Second, he had no children, and he was obligated, uh, he was obligated to have children. That, that is actually going to be the focus of what the, the Rivash Shuv is going to be about, his obligation to procreate, and the fact that he is going to deny himself the opportunity by marrying a woman who is more than 90 years old. And the marrying for money is something you know, we, we are very familiar with, uh, certainly those who have read English literature, you've read Jane Austen, you've read anyone from that time, you'll read about uh, all the marriages for money, all the, the calculations of how much they have per year and how much they have, not limited, of course, to Regency or Victorian England, these types of mercenary marriages uh, are across all cultures, Halacha, halacha, we, halacha has a lot of discussion about marrying and money. The, much of Evan Ezer deals with marriage settlements and people who negotiated settlements. It's not always clear the marriage was totally for money, but there, there was often a lot of money involved. In this case, though, this seems to be kind of an extreme case. People couldn't fathom that this marriage would have any uh, legitimacy except for the money, and therefore they were upset at what he was doing, and they blocked his marriage. He was furious that they were getting in his way, so he apparently, uh, he apparently spoke disrespectfully toward the Dayan, the, the rabbi in charge. 
and he spoke disparagingly about several of his uh, community members. Ad, to the extent he was, uh, he was so determined to get his way, he went over their heads. He went to the local authority, the local, presumably Muslim or Christian or whoever he was. He went to the local authority, and he said, he, he tried to get them to overturn what the Jewish community was doing. As we've discussed many times, in much of Jewish history, Jews did not have a sovereign country. We didn't have kings, or we, we weren't the sovereign power, but we often had considerable internal autonomy. The, the powers that be, the sovereign powers, were often happy to let the Jews manage their own affairs, but they retained ultimate uh, sovereign authority. So in this case, the community had somehow had enough power to block him from doing what he was doing, so he needed to, uh, he needed to override them. He went over their heads. He went to the Adon Ha'ir, to some kind of mayor or governor, and he told them, V'amarlo Adoni, Elu HaYehudim Mena'uni Milisa Isha. These Jews, my fellow Jews, are foiling my marriage. They're blocking me from, marry, from marrying. Eini Adei Alma. He pretended to be all innocent. I don't know why they're objecting. V'alma. Rak Shamanu Lefishi Zekein. Shatanu Lefishi Zekeina. I heard he says that they say she's too old. Uh... He says, she tell she's a say they say she shouldn't get married because she's too old. This is not God's law, he told, he piously told the Adon Heir. This is not Torah law. They're making stuff up, he says. That the Torah law is, anyone can marry whoever he wants. He can, the choice of his heart, he can feel free to choose whoever he wants. They have no right to do this to me. This is our custom, he said, in every city, the people are free to marry whoever they want. So the people pleaded their case, the, the community who objected to this marriage, they counter-argued in, the, in, in front of the Adon Ha'er, they said, this is not appropriate, this is not what we Jews do. They focused on the second part of the argument, he has no children, and therefore he's obligated to procreate, he's obligated to improve revu. He has to marry someone who, uh, who, is, who, who is still capable of having children. And he is insisting on having his way. So they reached some kind of, uh, they negotiated an agreement with, with, with the mayor, to write to the Rivash. The Rivash is an expert on Jewish law. We'll write to you. We'll write to, we, we said we would write to you, they told the Rivash. You tell us what Jewish law is. That I should tell you my opinion of the halacha, Zosi Sheilaschem. Apparently, the Adon Ha'er had agreed. He agreed to defer to Jewish law. He said, you know, I, I, I don't need to, uh, you, you, you Jews, figure out what your religion says, and I'll support that, I guess he was saying. So, Rivash was called upon to render a decision in Jewish law. What is the deal with a person, a, young, a younger man, presumably, uh, who wanted to marry a woman who was 90 years old because of her money? It, it sounds, from what we've seen so far, he wasn't actually denying that he was out for her money. He, he, didn't, have the, the, he didn't have the brazenness to, to, to simply deny it and say, no, no, I'm, I'm in love with her, age is just a number. He didn't, have, he, 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 he didn't have the brazenness to do that. He kind of tacitly conceded, it sounds like, he wanted her money, but he said, so what? You know, we're consenting adults, it's our business. You know, who are you to tell me I can't marry her just because she's old? Okay. That was the question that was posed to the Rivash. Tshuva. Says the Rivash, There is a halacha that someone who has not yet fulfilled the mitzvah of Puru Revu, 
may not marry a woman, may only marry a woman who is still capable of having children. Someone who does have children, or has already fulfilled the mitzvah, pruruvu, He's allowed to marry whomever he wants, even someone who is not fertile. This is a Mishnah. The Mishnah says, A person may not uh, may not desist from trying to fulfill the mitzvah of of procreation unless he already has children. How many children does he have to have? Beshamay says you have to have two male children. Basil says one male and one female. Dixiv, Zachar, Nekeva, Barosam. And Amrina Begamar, the Gemara reiterates this point. If a person has no children yet, he has to. Uh, this is what the Rivash said originally. If a person has uh, no children yet, he must marry a woman who's capable of having children. Once he has children, he already fulfilled the mitzvah then he is permitted to marry a woman who is not fertile and not capable of having children. Takam Devriya Rambam, he says. Rambam Paskins this way. The Rivash was before the Shulchan Aruch. The Rivash was, the Rivash was 14th century, so it's a couple of centuries before the Shulchan Aruch. So the Rambam was one of the, the great codes, one of the great post-Talmudic authorities. Rambam Paskins is like, like this mission of this Gemara. Lo yisa a man, a man who hasn't yet had children, is not allowed to marry an akara, someone who's uh, someone who's sterile, zakena, an older woman who's not capable of having children, islandess, another kind of uh, woman who can't have children, katana, the young girl, even though she will get older and be able to have children, but if she's not capable of having children right now, he can't do that. So a person is not allowed to marry women of any of these four types of women, elam, kain, kie, mitzvah, peri, verivia, unless one of two conditions are met. Either he has already fulfilled the mitzvah of Peri of Arivia, which means he already had one boy and one girl, as we've said. Oh, Or, in the Rambam's time, of course, polygamy was still mutter. Uh, Ashkenazim had, had, had instituted Cherenberg and Gershom, so in, by and large in Ashkenaz, polygamy was not permitted. But in Sephardic lands, where the Rambam lived, through much of Sephardic lands, it was still permitted. So, so if he has another wife, in the Talmudic times it was permitted, person has another wife for procreation, then he can have another woman who's not fertile. But, but, but a person cannot uh, limit himself to one woman who's not fertile if he hasn't yet fulfilled the mitzvah of Peri of Arabia. So therefore the Rivash concludes, Ubevadai, based on what we've just seen in the Mishnah, and the Gemara, and the Rambam, Ubevadai, certainly, Shemloki a mitzvah Peri of Arabia, if a person has, A, not yet fulfilled the mitzvah of Peri of Arabia, B, Vein lo isha cheres rui and he has no other wife from whom he can have children, and he wants to marry a woman who is not capable of having children. Says the Rivash, it's an open and shut case, it's a clear halacha. Yes, absolutely, the, the, the community was correct. Basin would step in and block him from marrying her. Rivash quotes another Gemara. The Gemara says, if a man has married a woman and he, ten years have passed, and they have not had children, he can't go on like this, he has to try something else, he has to divorce her and marry somebody else. He has to divorce her. Maybe they're not compatible, he has to try a different wife. The, the, the Rivash is adding a dimension from these Gemaras now, before we just said the, the person's personal religious obligation is to marry a woman who's a bas bun. 
But now we see it's not just his personal obligation. Basin gets involved. Kofin also Bashuti. That means the court. Kofin means they compel him. Bashuti means with rods, meaning with, uh, with force, with uh, punitive measures, with, with, with whatever sanctions they have at their disposal to compel him to divorce her. Even if the woman is okay, the woman says, I'm okay with this. That's not the point. The point is we're not doing it for her sake. We're doing it for the sake of the mitzvah deraisa, pru On what basis do we do this? What's the, what's the basis of it? Yes, there is a mitzvah, but there are lots of mitzvot out there. There is a mitzvah, but what? There's a lot of mitzvot that, that, we, don't, uh, that we don't enforce. Yes, so well, the, we don't enforce these things today, but in the time, in earlier generations, they certainly did. If a person on what was basis? on what basis did they enforce them? What gave them the authority to do that as opposed to other things that people did not do? Putting on tefillin. No, in, 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 in those days they would enforce mitzvahs in general. If a person, if the, the, the Talmud says, if a person says, "I'm not taking a lulav," "I'm not building a sukkah," Basin beats him up. Absolutely. Whether this was commonly done in the medieval period, I, I'd have to check more sources. But the the, the, the standard halacha is yes, Basin enforces compliance with religious obligations. If Basin sees somebody eating non-kosher. They will, uh, they will seize it from him, they will strike it away from him, they will stop him. Basin sees him not doing a mitzvah say that he's supposed to do, Basin will compel him to it, however they can. The Rivash is about to say that we do not actually do this, in this case at least, and he's going he's gonna, to he's gonna note that there has been a policy change and Basin no longer does it, at least in this case, but the Shuras Hadin in, in, in Talmudic law is that Basin uses force. To, and we've discussed this in the past, that you, today we, people... We modern Western people tend to see religion as a personal thing, as between a person and God. It was not historically like that in the in the, in, the, in our halacha in the, in, the, in the time of the Talmud and the Rishonim. Religion was seen as the community's job. The 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 we say in Parshas Nitzavim it says that what people do privately that we don't know about we can't be held responsible for. But what people do in public. It is our responsibility to assert, first to give them assert, to tell them they shouldn't do it, and uh, we don't stop at that. If if we uh, if they if they don't listen, it, it is our it is our right and our duty, the, the community's duty, the basin's duty, to use force to uh, to stop them from doing an avera and to promote doing mitzvahs. Now, Poskim warned that this can get uh, that the, obviously this type of power can be abused, and put Poskim say some Poskim say even private citizens have the right to enforce mitzvahs and averus. Other Poskim say that we should, we shouldn't let individual citizens go around uh, vigilante style beating people up because they they're not doing a mitzvah. We should leave that to Basin. We should or leave that to people who are universally revered and and, and trusted that, that they are acting l'shem shemayim. But the ikra din is 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 that is that the community has just as just as we even in the modern era recognize that. You know, civil law that that enforcing uh, enforcing civil society uh, that that um, je- that ensuring that people behave properly, but is considered uh, the right of the community and the right of the government to enforce. In Torah law, the enforcing the same way we punish people if, if people are mechal Shabbos or worship idols, we execute them uh, as a punishment. So similarly, we uh, similarly we we can preemptively enforce as well. We can stop people. By the use of force from doing averus, and and also with mitzvah says we can force people to do mitzvahs. So again, we don't do this today, and the rivash himself is going to get into that. But uh, but the ikra din under Talmudic law we can. Says the rivash uh, again, he's going to say very soon that we don't do this, but we'll, we'll take a couple of paragraphs, I think, but he'll get there. He'll get there. But uh, first, he's explaining what the halacha would be under under the din of the Talmud. So he says the gemara says he use shuti that you compel, you use force to compel him to to. Uh, 
to divorce her. It's not, it's not a question of her rights, it's a question of enforcing the halacha. Basin will compel him to divorce her. In order that he fulfill the mitzvah of by marrying somebody else. And the reason we make him divorce her instead of just marrying someone else on top of her, which, again, if, if polygamy is allowed, that would, that would seem to be a good solution. Let him keep her, but marry a second one, like Avram did with Hagar, or, or Yaakov did with Bilal and Zilpah. The reason we don't do that, the, the Rivash says, based on the Gemara, is the Kolkama to Agidbe Layovis Be'achriti, Kedamina Perikafalpi. People today, we talk about various problems people have in Shaduchim. Some people don't have enough money. Some people are not considered attractive enough. One of the biggest problems you can have in Shaduchim is if you're already married. Women in general, men, will, will usually stay away from people who are already married. Certainly they will today when polygamy is not acceptable. But even when polygamy is mutter, in, in many societies at least, it would be a big turnoff for women that, you, that she will not be the first wife. I mean, sometimes if the man is rich enough or attractive enough, or the women are used to it, maybe they don't mind that much, but certainly... In the general case, it will be much harder for him to find a wife if he already has one than if he doesn't have one. So we want to make sure that he has the optimal chance of finding another wife and fulfilling true revu. So we tell him he has to divorce his first wife. Furthermore, So, and this halacha is true even if it's someone who we don't know for sure that they're not fertile. The, the, the halacha is if a man and woman marry and they're together for 10 years, we discussed this in the, in the share on Sunday, the, the, the halacha is that they have to get divorced. We don't, we, it doesn't seem we generally do this today, and in large part because of this shuvah the rivash, because of his conclusion that we'll see eventually, but the, the halacha is, according to the Talmud, according to the Shulchan Aruch, a person is obligated to get divorced if it's been 10 years without a child. And that's true even if we don't know for sure she's infertile, it's just that we, we have 10 years of history of, uh, of no children. Shrekah Shagir Shazem, Uteras Vanasi even though it's only un- we're uncertain, we're not sure if it's a fertility problem, but it's been 10 years. So we make them get divorced, we force them to get divorced in order to uh, optimize his chance of having a child. If we'll even break up a marriage, a 10-year-old marriage will break up. Certainly if we know for sure that she's not fertile. Certainly if she has a track record of more than one husband she hasn't had kids with. Then the halach is legimol lokinas yelam kinyeshli shubanim. Then she shouldn't get married to anybody because if it if it's just one marriage that fails, we say maybe they're in, they're mutually incompatible. Maybe the the man and woman can have children with somebody else. Once a woman has two spouses, she hasn't had children with. We presume there's something wrong with her that, that she has a problem. We don't let her marry anybody else at this point. Anyone else who needs to do pruravu, simbashli shlisa oser shimonos bekfia certainly will force them from getting married in the first place. Shloisheena kimenchein labanim. If Basin forces them even to get divorced, and even when it's not certain that, that, that there's a fertility issue, certainly when there is a, a clear presumption of a fertility problem and they're not even married yet, certainly Basin will use force to stop them from getting married. And he says, And this is true for not just for someone who's an Akara who has a fertility problem, it's, it's also true for an, an older woman, a postmenopausal woman who can't have children biologically. The Kalshkin who? Shreakari says, A woman's an Akara. She's not inherently, depends what the problem is, but she, it's, not, it's not obvious and totally impossible for her to have children. Or he says, Mikrahu, Shakar, Lamach, Vascholi. It's a problem. It's, a, it's an ailment, he says. We can cure her. They have fertility treatments. They, they can sometimes do things that, uh, that will enable, he talks about curing her. 
Today, we, don't use, we, we often don't cure infertility, but we have means of enabling them to have a child uh, despite infertility. Sometimes there are actually treatments that can cure certain conditions. He brings a Gemara, which seems to acknowledge the possibility of treating and curing an infertile woman. If a woman is postmenopausal, there's nothing anyone can do, he says. And maybe science eventually will figure out something to do, but uh, certainly at this point in time, at his point in time, certainly there was nothing they could do to allow her to have children. It's fundamental, it's intrinsic, he says. It's a, there's nothing they can do. Once she has uh, undergone menopause, she is fundamentally infertile. In the donors, yeah, so the, they, they can use donor eggs, but, uh, but, but, but short of getting a, a different woman's eggs, there's nothing we can do with the woman, with, with nothing we can do with the woman herself to, to enable her to have children. Not yet, anyway. So, certainly in the Rivash's time. So he says... Under the laws of nature, there's nothing we can do, so she's worse than an ordinary person suffering from infertility. So certainly he says it is clear that uh, it is certainly it is clear that he's not allowed to marry such a woman if he hasn't yet done the mitzvah puravu, and we will use force, basically we'll use force to prevent him from marrying such a woman. Yeah, how, how do we balance the, uh, the, the, uh, the injunction of puravu and ovu with other things that people do, which is companionship? Um, taking care of other people. So if you divorce somebody, you also, uh, even if you give them the ketubah, you, you, you're taking away not only companionship, but also their, uh, their livelihood. Uh, and uh, you're also changing life dynamics here that uh, could be extremely counterproductive and hurt that, uh, both individuals. Right, so, 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 so Max is raising a very important question, which is, even if it's true that in general, abstractly, there is a rule that we force people to do mitzvahs, at what price, at what cost? So we've discussed this a number of times in, pre- in the past. First of all, there's a rule when it comes to money, for example, you don't have to pay arbitrarily high sums of money for a mitzvah. There are limits. Some say the limit is chomesh, uh, 20% of your assets. Some say the limit is you don't, you don't pay more than a reasonable amount for a mitzvah. We discussed, there's a, we discussed recently, there's a major debate in the post game about illness or discomfort, if a person, if doing a mitzvah will make somebody physically ill, not, not in, not, no danger, he's not, gonna, not in danger of his life or losing his limbs or anything, he'll just, get, he'll just be very sick, he'll, he'll, you know, he'll have a bad allergic reaction and he'll break out in hives and he'll not, uh, you know, not, he won't be rushed to the hospital for, an, for anaphylactic uh, shock, but he'll, you know, he'll just be very uncomfortable, he'll be itchy and he'll have to take to his bed, he'll run a fever for a few days. Is a person mechayiv to do that in order to fulfill a mitzvah? That's a big machlok sakronim. Some machronim say yes, as long as, you're not, as long as you're not in danger of your life, you have to do mitzvahs anyway. Others say no, that's during a drachea darche no, and the Torah doesn't obligate a person to do mitzvahs at that kind of cost. We, we discussed the case of the child who, if they didn't do a certain surgical procedure immediately when he was born, then the medical professionals were saying to be condemned to a life of uh, deformed legs, that they couldn't do the procedure later, it would be too late. And the post, some posts can say, you're not mechayiv to do that. You're not mechayiv to, 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 to condemn him in order to do the bris on time. If they, if they did the bris on time, they would, uh, the window of opportunity for treatment would close and, and the child would, the condition would remain untreated and he'd be crippled and deformed for his whole life. The post can say, you're not mechayiv to do that. You, know, the, you don't have to do mitzvahs at that price. So this is a very real question. Max's point is, is discussed by Postkim as well. On the one hand, yes, okay, we accept the general principle that Basin is kofa people to do mitzvahs. Basin uses force to compel people to do mitzvahs. But at what price? If the price is giving up your wife, 
that's uh, that's a very that's a very great price to pay. And like as Max said, it'll make both parties miserable. It'll uh, it'll, it'll have parnasa effects on both of them. It'll it'll have personal effects on both of them. Is that really the price that that, that a person has to pay to do the mitzvah of pruvu? So. Right. So, so certainly in Misvara, there's a good argument to make that the answer would be no, that you do not have to do that. The problem is the Gemara says you do. The Gemara says you do have to divorce your wife. So the question is, the Gemara also knows that marriage is really important and that the personal uh, shock, the, 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 the shock to the people involved will be great. And yet the Gemara says you have to do it. So how is that consistent with the general rules that you don't spend a chomesh, you don't have to undergo an you know, incredible personal hardship and difficulty? Not so clear. There are poskim who actually said, first in terms of the money, there are poskim who actually said that if the ksuva is large enough and the financial cost to the husband will be large enough that uh, it'll be considered more than a chomesh, then you don't have to do it. The Mar is not talking about a case like that. The Mar is talking about a case where the ksuva is relatively low, he has enough money, the, the ksuva won't bother him very much, and uh, that, you know, that you don't have to, then you have to divorce it. But if, 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 if it'll cause a big financial shock to you, then, then you don't have to. What Max is pointing out, what about the woman's financial hardship? She'll be without a breadwinner, certainly in Talmudic times, where the man was usually the main breadwinner. That I don't know if, I don't recall seeing in any post can discuss. That's an interesting question. Could the man say, I don't want to divorce her because she needs my help, uh, someone has to support her? I guess you tell him if you really want to support her, support her. After you, do you divorce her also? But would we, uh, would we tell him, okay, you don't have to divorce her because she'll have no means of support after you divorce her? Interesting question. I don't recall seeing discussion about that, but it's definitely an interesting question. And regard to the personal hardship as well, there are posts who raise this question: Why isn't the why isn't the personal hardship itself enough of a reason to uh, enough of a reason to enough of a reason to refrain to to not have to divorce her? Uh, it's a good question. The, the problem is that the Talmud also knows that, that the Talmud also knows that, that, that it's a terrible thing to uh, to get divorced. The altar weeps tears. It says when people get divorced, and yet the Talmud says that you have to get divorced. So it's uh, so it's, uh, it's it's a good question. Uh, it's a good question. Why not exactly? Um, it's a good question, but the, the Talmud does say you have to get divorced. So okay, um, Rabbi. What about the case of uh, Ben Azai, uh, who is the Tana, who is known for his absorption and studying Torah, and never got married and. Uh, he was exempt from the mitzvah of, of, of uh, Priya um and and uh, he still gets the uh, the Ol Malchus He still gets the Kesser Torah. Right. So, so Jason is pointing out that the, that the Talmud has stories of certain rabbis, Ben Azai, I think other stories, but certain rabbis who said that they were so focused on learning Torah that they that they didn't get married, and the Talmud seems to endorse that at least for some people. The question is, yes, since when can you, do, uh, can you violate the Torah in order to do the Torah? Yes, so that, 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 is a, that, that is a difficult, a, a difficult sugya. We, we don't generally tolerate uh, doing averis you know, to, 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 uh, in order to do Torah, even though for many mitzvahs is a rule, osig mitzvah, patrimonah mitzvah, we generally don't say that with regard to Talmud Torah. A person can't say, I'm not going to go to shul to hear shofar because I'm busy learning Torah. A person can't say, I'm not going to take a little of an esra because I'm busy learning Torah. So in general, we, we in general we, we, we say the Torah is lasos. Uh, so you're supposed to mekayim the Torah, and you can't use Torah as an excuse not to do mitzvahs. Nevertheless, when it comes to marriage, we do find this idea: certain individuals never got married, or even the Rambam passing. Even for ordinary people, the Rambam says that the Torah expects you to get married by a certain age, if possible. But if you're busy learning Torah, you can 
wait, you can, you, can, you can postpone marriage because the Rambam actually uses the expression, Osi commits a patrim and a mitzvah. And all the, all all the, all the Mepharshim ask on the Rambam, that can't be the reason. We don't pass Osi commits a patrim and mitzvah with regard to Talmud Torah. So they, 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 this is a much discussed question. How, do, how, does the, how does the need to study Torah, how does that interact? How does, it, how, what, how does that interact with the, the mitzvah period for Rivia? For most people, we say, for, for, for the rank and file, for almost everyone, the rule is you can use it as a reason to postpone marriage for a certain amount of time, but not to never get married. And indeed, we, we don't find, you know, in, in, for most of Jewish history, we don't find even great Chachamim and Gedoli Torah, we don't find them deliberately uh, deciding to remain single in order to study Torah. But you're right, uh, Jason is right, there the were stories in the Talmud of certain Chachamim who, uh, who did not. I, I, I don't remember off the top of my head all the, all the halachic literature explanations of how that worked, but, uh, but uh, that, that, that's very much the exception rather than the rule. And in general, we say that even, even learning Torah it might be justification for postponing marriage, but not for skipping it entirely. So the... So, yeah, so, 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 so the point about the fact that it'll cause emotional distress, post can ask why that's not a good enough reason for, 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 for uh, not divorcing, but again, the Talmud also knows that, that, uh, the, the Talmud also knows that, it, that there's great emotional trauma, and yet the Talmud says you have to get divorced. Yeah, so there, 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 there is a lot of literature on this, on this question, different atarium we find, we, we discussed some of this on Sunday, about, uh, about all kinds of exceptions to this rule and why people often don't do it. But one of the reasons people don't do it, again, is going to be this Jew of the Rivash when we get to his conclusion, which we are uh, wending our way toward. So the Rivash continues. He says, he says really, there is a chiyuv to, to divorce. There's a chiyuv, and basement will enforce it. And it's certainly true for a zikena. Furthermore, the Rivash says, paragraph Afilu, Afilu mishi yeshlobanum kvarkiyam mitzis peri even someone who, even someone who has children already, and it's already fulfilled period of he has someone like me, a son and a daughter. So such a person is not mechuyiv midaraisa to marry a woman who is fertile. He already fulfilled the mitzvah pruruvu. Amnam the mitzvah chachamim lechatzili yeshulisi ishabas banim the kaimon kribi yeshua. There is a further mitzvah. It's not quite as strict and as acute an obligation as the basic mitzvah pruruvu, but there is a secondary mitzvah. A rabbinic mitzvah, Rabbi Yeshua's shita, the Amar Nasi Yisha Bial Duso, Yisha Yisha Bizkeinuso. Even if a person married when he was young and had children, he should marry again if he lost his first wife, and, and, and he should try to have more children. Holid Banam Bial Duso, Yolid Banam Bizkeinuso. A person had children when he was young, he should have more children. Shnemer Babrokas Raz Arecho, Laravel Tanaki Adechot says, a person should not, should not desist from having children. Avram Avinu, we say, did this. Avram married, uh, Avram married in, I believe, in the end of uh, last week's parasha, he married Keturah. That it says, and it says, that the, I think the Gemara says, a fulfillment of this mitzvah, that he, had, he already had children, he already had Avram and Yishmael. He had, he, he had more children, he wanted to have more children, and he had more children. So e- even a person who had children really should ideally marry someone, if he's, if, he's still, if he's still capable of having more, he really should marry a woman who is capable of having more children, he says. A lot of discussion in the post how far this goes. Is there any limit to how many children is a mitzvah to have? If you've already had four or six or eight or twelve or sixteen, is there any point at which we say uh, you can take a break? That's a good question. It's a topic for, for another time. But the, the Rivash says, brings the Rambam now. He says, the Rambam codifies this, this mitzvah, even someone who has already fulfilled the mitzvah, peri verivia, hare mitzvah midivre sofrim, rabbinic mitzvah. Shouldn't stop. As long as the person has energy, energy is a very uh, broad term. 
energy for the for the conjugal act, energy for the chasing around children and giving them bottles, energy for staying up at night with them, energy for the emotional needs of the children. There, there, there are lots of different uh, meanings of koach. So what exactly the Rambam means, I'm not sure. But the, the Rambam says that this, this, this mitzvah of Babokar's Ras Arecha means a person should have more children even though he already has some. I believe I've heard, I believe some posts can say, I think our official Shechter I've heard, maybe others have said that the mitzvah is to have two more children. Yotze Pru Revu with two, mitzvah is to have that many more again, at least two more. Okay, but, but whatever it is there, is, there there is a mitzvah to have more children, and you shouldn't stop. And the reason is, someone who has increased Klal Yisrael by even a single soul, it's as though he built an entire world. He says, that uh, basement does not enforce. That, that's a mitzvah, that's an aspiration, that's an ideal. That's not something which is uh, so urgent that basement would compel you to do it. Basement would not force you to divorce because of that. He says if, uh, that, if, that they wouldn't force you to divorce to marry somebody else. That's all But if you don't even have any children, if you haven't fulfilled Pruvu at all, then absolutely Basin will prevent you from marrying someone who's not fertile. Basin will even force you to divorce your wife in some cases. They'll, they'll certainly force you not to marry someone who is incapable of having children. And now the Rivash gets to his punchline. Up till now, everything he said, it might be surprising to us that we're used to thinking of marriage as a personal choice, but it is up till now, everything he said is pretty straightforward based on the Gemara. Now is where he says his great Chiddush, which, uh, which had an enormous impact on Halacha. He says, This is all true, this is all Talmudic law. Sometimes, he says, experience and social, social conditions just override the Gemara. That doesn't sound like a very orthodox position. Usually we insist that all of our Halacha should derive from Talmudic law. But the reality is that Halacha sometimes runs up against... Uh, human beings and human reality, and sometimes the halacha gives way, which is what the Rivash says here. Avul manase, he said, Rivash says, what can we do? We have not seen in our day, he says, we have not heard for many generations, we have not seen a Basin who proactively gets involved and forces people, imposes its will on people with regard to marriage. This din to make people get divorced if they've uh, gone 10 years without children. Oh, she's a Kano, or the woman is postmenopausal. Nobody does that. You know, Basin doesn't force him to do it. Even though he hasn't done pure revu, Basin does not do this. Talmud says you have to. Basin doesn't do it anymore. Basin should force him. Either to divorce her or to marry somebody else. Even if he has many male children, he can have five, six, ten male children. You have to have one of each. We pass from like Basil, you have to have one of each. You can have ten boys. If you haven't had a girl yet, you still have a binding, urgent obligation to have more children. So Basin doesn't do it, he says. Basin does not do this, despite the Gemara. Bafim Nomari says maybe there is, in some cases, a dispensation. There is an opinion that if he has at least one child, even though he hasn't done pru revu, since you see that they're not completely infertile, they had one, they can have another one, you don't have to force them to divorce her. There is such an opinion. So, so there is such a shita, that there is such a shita that if they have one, 
You don't have to get divorced. But even though you haven't fulfilled the mitzvah of it's not hopeless. You had one, you can have another one. He says, yeah, but that's because it's not hopeless. I knew that from That's in a case, we don't know for sure she's infertile. They went 10 years. They've only had one kid in 10 years. Okay, we don't know that she's completely infertile. And they had one kid. They could have another one. Good. We don't know for sure that she's an Akara. She's not even presumed to be an Akara. After she tells you, oh, maybe she'll have another one. He had one. He can have another one. Again, you're dealing with biological reality. You're dealing with a postmenopausal woman, a 90-year-old-plus woman. Um, so, so again, he says that when you're dealing with someone 90 years old, it doesn't matter if they had one kid. They're not having another one. It just, they're just not. It's, it's, it's biology. Sorry, Menu had a nasha made a nace, a, a biblical nace. She had a child. Rivka was an Akara. She had a child. Fine. But uh, she wasn't that old, but she was an Akara. She had a child. But without an ace, a woman who's, 90 year, who's more than 90 years old is not having a child. So if you have to do the mitzvah, kofin lahotzi, it would certainly be kofi, even if you had one child. Other, other Rishonim say that even if you have one child and it's only been, and it's been 10 years, you're kofi lahotzi. But Lamaisi says, despite, despite, despite all this, despite the fact that the halacha is very clear that in this kind of situation we could, we should be kofi lahotzi, the fact is, Basin doesn't do it. They used to marry uh, underage women. Today, of course, uh, they throw you in jail if you do that. But it used to be, Basin, Basin didn't get involved. He said, do what you want. It was socially acceptable. Basin didn't, didn't do anything. Even though, again, he can't approve revu with an underage woman. Underage meaning un- pre, pre, uh, pre, you know, pre-pubescent, someone who hasn't had puberty yet. She's not fertile yet. Even though it's true that you should never marry an underage woman because he's supposed to, even if you have some children already. Also, he said that another halacha of marriage, nothing, nothing to do with fertility, is that, is that you're not supposed to marry, you're not, we're not supposed to arrange marriages for, for girls who are below unable to give their consent, even though the Torah allows it, but the rabbi said a woman should enter into marriage of her free choice, of her own decision. You shouldn't marry women who are minors. We don't do that. Ashkenazim also said, Tos also said they used to do that. They used to arrange marriages for, for little kids as well. They wouldn't actually get married until they were older, but they, they wouldn't have the Nisuin, but they would do the Kedushin. They, they would already arrange the marriage when they were very young. Again, Basin does not get involved, despite the fact that all of this seems to be connected to Halacha. Other examples, he says, the, he gives a handful of other examples. He says, he says, Lazeh, the bottom line is, he says, if Basin was really trying to follow halacha in this area, if Basin really wanted to systematically enforce the halacha, there'd be lots of people whose marriages we have to break up or block. Many women, most women who already are older and are our, our, our past the fertility years would have to get divorced. would lead to fighting. It would cause all kinds of social upheaval and quarreling and disruption. Again, this is a little bit like, like Max was saying. It would, that would cause all kinds of... Uh, there'd be a tremendous human cost to this, he says. They decide, the Chacham decided discretion is sometimes the better part of valor. We're not going to enforce this halacha. We're not going to get involved. We're not even going to block them from getting married. We're certainly not going to break up the marriages that exist already. 
as long as they're happy, it's not strictly us, we're not talking about someone incest, or Cohen marrying a divorcee, or something which is, uh, which is a flat out iser, he says, if it's not strictly us, or even though it's a violation of one of these mitzvahs, the pru revu, or these other related concerns, we're not going to, Basin's not going to get involved. If the marriage is in trouble, they come to Basin, they're having a quarrel, then we may enforce the halacha and say, you know, you shouldn't be married anyway. Then this marriage is problematic to begin with. If they come to Basin, we'll enforce Torah law. But generally, he says, Basin does not get involved. Basin simply withdraws and says, we're not going to get involved. We're not going to start telling people, what to, making people do things. It'll just lead to chaos and quarreling and all kinds of... Uh... So, I, I, I have to say, I don't fully understand what the Rivash is saying. If it's the halacha, it's the halacha. I'm, I'm, again, if you, if you wanted to say what Max said, it's just too high a price to pay, it's, it's too sad for the people involved, it's too, uh, too much money involved, he could just say that. He doesn't quite say that. He talks about how it would lead to societal disruption. Maybe that's what he means. He talks about how it would... Uh, he implies that Basin doesn't get involved. It would just come at too much of a cost for Basin to start meddling in society like this. Not exactly clear what he means, but this, this is his ruling, and therefore he concludes as follows. In your case, if the woman wanted to marry the 90-year-old, he says, If it's in her interest to be married, if, it's a, if she's willing to be married in this uh, somewhat uh, unmatched, uh, what do they call this, a May-December uh, marriage, if, if she's willing to do that, She's happy to be considered a married woman. She won't have uh, you know, the, quite the same kind of marriage that a couple of 20-year-olds will have, but if this, if this marriage is worth it for her, she'll have a support for her old age, which is often provided by a child. In this case, it would be the husband. He'll take care of her in her dotage and help bury her when she passes away. And she found someone who wants to marry her because he's poor and he's striving and he wants her money. It's a mutually beneficial arrangement. She's happy to have a husband. He's happy to have lots of money. If they agree to this arrangement, they're consenting adults. Even if he has no children. So then, nevertheless, if, 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 if this is all meets there, if this, if this is uh, suitable for them, so if you want to just look away and, and let it go, he says, This is an established tradition that Basin simply ignores these things. If you want to take that path, if you want to just say, we're not getting involved, we're letting this go, you can do that. You have the right to follow this Masora of uh, discretion is a better part of valor, of, of sometimes of simply declining to get involved. Kolchkein shem geirim barit. They're 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 itinerants. They're they're not natives here. He says they're not they're not really your residents anyway. So it's not really your responsibility to enforce the halacha upon them. Even though lefiadin, uh, if he wanted to marry somebody else, uh, also he says because he has the right to marry two, he can marry a, a fertile woman and the ninety-year-old woman. So he can marry two and biyotzi and get the money as well. He says. Then the Rivash says something, uh, skip the next couple of paragraphs for the moment, just jump to the end of the tshuva, he says, Amnam, he says, If you want to say he was, uh, that he insulted the Dayan, and you want to just throw the book at him, and you want to enforce the halacha, you can do that too, he says. He insulted the Dayan, You can do that too, he says. It's your choice, he says. If you want to follow the minhag of uh, not enforcing this halacha, you can let that go. If you want to follow 
you want to uh, come down on him like a ton of bricks because he was disrespectful to the Dayan and members of the community, you can do that as well. But Lamaisi says, Alpiyalacha, you should, you, we should force him. The Minog is we don't, because of pragmatic and social considerations, it would lead to societal chaos. Now, I skipped a couple of paragraphs here where he engages in, in a, he, he enters into a, a very interesting tangent. Or not really a tangent, but a, but a, new, uh, a new theme that he hasn't really discussed up till now in the Chuva. Up till now, the Rivash's entire Chuva has dealt with Pruravu, has dealt with the obligation of procreation, which he's foregoing by marrying this older woman. Now he says, new concern. Ba'afim ha'yinah he knows to l'shem momen. He's a gold digger. He's marrying her for money. Kimashom resolves, so is there a problem with that? Are you allowed to marry a woman for her money? Is that okay according to Torah law? He says, well, it's not so simple. There is a Gemara in Kedushin. The Gemara says, hanose isha l'shem momen. One who marries a woman for venal reasons, for money. Havin labanim she'enam u'ganim. He will have improper children. In this case, there weren't going to be any children at all because she was 90 years old. But the, the point is, it's an improper marriage. It's a marriage that it's wrong. It's morally wrong. So, should we be concerned about this? Should we be concerned that if a person's marrying for money, that that itself is a reason to object to the marriage? Says the, says the Rivash, no, we should not be concerned. Says the Rivash, why not? It's an Agada Gemara, and if you read it in context, he says, the concern is, that if you compromise on halacha, if you marry a woman who's usher to you for some reason, an erva or a coin for a grusha or something, if you marry a woman who's psula, and you do that because, you're, because of greed, because you're tempted by her money, then Hashem says, you're going to pay for this. You, the punishment will be that, that, that this is wrong and it's going to suffer. The, the Gemara brings a passage. It says, Ba'ashem ba'gadu ki'banim zaram yaladu v'gomer. They've betrayed Hashem. They've been unfaithful to Hashem. Chaim Pirish Rashi. Rashi says this. What does it mean... Uh, Rashi interprets his pasuk. He married an ishapsula l'shem mamans. Rashi understands that's the l'shem maman. Apparently, the problem is because he married ishapsula l'shem maman. Kedusayim Rashi brings the end of the pasuk. So he says that the he says that the this whole concern of no seish l'shem maman. He says is only if you if you if you're compromising on the halacha and marrying an ishapsula. But marrying a woman who's k'sheira l'shem maman. That's fine. That's not what the Gemara is talking about. You're allowed to marry for money. That is okay. We'll get back to this in a moment. Then Rivash has one other paragraph. He says, this whole concern, we mentioned a concern earlier, even if he, even if he wants to marry a second one, we make him divorce the first one because the, they won't give him another one. It's, he'll have a hard time in Shadduchim if he's already married. Says Rivash, not, not a problem here. Polygamy is very normal here, so it's not, a, not an issue. After he says, Shabelu HaRatzos, in Arab lands, in Arabic lands, he says, North Africa, we don't make him divorce infertile, an infertile wife in order to find another one who is fertile because what's Gemara's reason? Because he's going to have a hard time finding another wife. As long as he's married to the first one, they won't give him another one. They won't want to marry him. No, he says, no problem. In, in our area, in North Africa, nobody really cares. A woman who's already married is still, a, uh, is still an attractive prospect on the... On the dating market, people marry routinely, two or three women, nobody cares, he says. That's the custom around here, this is normal. You don't need special waivers from the government, this is normal, polygamy was normal. Therefore, the Rebush says, we don't have to worry so much about the Gemara's concern. He'll have a hard time getting another one if he's already married. In our society, it's, it's, it's not really such a problem. A man is not really at such a disadvantage due to the fact that he already has one. Okay. You have to be there, I guess, to, uh, 
fully appreciate that. But just to spend the last couple of minutes on this other argument the Rivash, the Rivash brought up, that this business about no si'ishloshemamon, this is actually a big machlokis, whether the concern of no si'ishloshemamon is only if you marry a psula, or even if, you, or even if you're marrying a kshera, if it's for venal motives, it's a problem. Rashi seems to say it's only if she's psula. The Rivash in this tshuva is passing, it's only if she's psula. The Ramah passing that way in Shulchan Aruch. In Shulchan Aruch, this, is, this halacha is brought, that you shouldn't marry L'Shem Mamun, in Simon Bey's and Ebenezer. And Ramah says, Kol hanose isha psula misha mamun. If you marry a woman who is psula, and it's because of mamun, you're going to have banim who are enim who ganim, children who are problematic. Avu Balavach, he says, if she's not psula, you're marrying a misha mamun, that's fine. You can marry L'Shem Mamun as long as you're not uh, sacrificing the halacha to do so. It's a machlokas. There are posts who go both ways. The Archis Chaim, another one of the Rishonim, as understood by the, the Vilna Gon, says that, that, that it is a problem to marry Lashem Mammon, even if it's, uh, even if it's, uh, it's machlokas what the Archis Chaim held, but the way the Gon understands, the Archis Chaim held that even a woman who's, uh, who's Kshera, if you marry her Mishem Mammon, that is a problem. And I have to say, I have to mention briefly the Tshuva of the Shvos Yaakov, or Yaakov Reicher, one of my all-time favorite uh, bits of rabbinic literature. You've probably heard this from me several times in the past. The Shavuos Yaakov also seems to assume, not like the Ramah, that the Isra of Nosi Yishalashem Mamun is even if she's Kshera. The Shavuos Yaakov has an incredible discussion, discussion by Yibam. We, 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 we studied this tshuva in, in, in one of our shiurim and uh, our Wednesday night shiurim previously. But the Shavuos Yaakov, in the course of his tshuva, discusses the, the problem of Nosi Yishalashem Mamun. And he says, wait a second. He says, he can't marry Yishalashem Mamun, he says. Wait, he says. Yaakov Avinu. It, it says in, we, we, we're going to read in, uh, not, not, we're going to read not in this week's parasha, but we're going to read in, uh, we're going to read, um, we, 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 we're going to read in next week's parasha in Vayetze, that it says that Rachel was very beautiful. And Yaakov loved her, he fell in love with her. People sometimes don't realize the connection between those two psukim because there's an aliyah right in between. Rachel Haisi, Yifas Tari, Yifas Mara ends in aliyah, and then we start the next aliyah, Vayav Yaakov, Rachel Mileah. But the Shvas Yaakov says, Ein Mikriyosim de Pshuto, whatever Midrashim we're going to say here about why he wanted to marry her, the simple reading of the Pasuk, he says, is that the simple reading of the Pasuk, Muchach Mikros, he says, that the psukim indicate that he was attracted to her because she was beautiful, she was gorgeous, that's why he married her. So he married her Lashem Noi, which is like Lashem Moment. So he says, you're going to tell me he had an ulterior motive so he can have Banam Shenim Uganim? Did Yaakov violate this halacha? So the Rivash would say, what do you mean? She wasn't puzzled to him. There's no problem. The problem is only if she's puzzled. The Ramah would say, and Rashi would say, and the Rivash would say, this is only a concern if she's actually Psula. Rachel was not Psula, so that's fine. Shavos Yaakov understands that this is a problem, even if she's not Psula. The Shavos Yaakov says, the reason it's okay is because the only problem of L'Shem Mamun and L'Shem Noi is if that is your only reason. If you're completely mercenary and you have no interest in the person, that is uh, no interest in, in the mitzvah and the person, that's considered l'shem mamun l'shem, and l'shem noi, and l'shem, and l'shem, and l'shem noi, that's going to be banam shenim hu'ganim. However, he says, if a person marries that for, for, for dual reasons, for loftier reasons, and for more base reasons as well, that's fine, he says. Having, having multiple reasons is fine. The whole world, he says, does that. The whole world, he says, if, if you're not going to accept that marrying for dual motives is acceptable, he says, everyone does it. Everyone marries women who are motzichein beinam. Mammon, they look for money, they look for noy, he says, they, they fall in love. They marry people for money, for love and money. Everyone's doing it. Very, he says, of course not. He says, that the, so, so the Rivash would say, yeah, they're not marrying women who are psulim. 
The Shavos Yaakov's answer is that they're doing it for dual motives, that they're doing it for higher-minded reasons as well, and also because she's beautiful, also because she has a lot of money. That's fine. That's how human beings are. You can do things for, uh, for, for, for multiple reasons. I'll call upon him. So the concern for Banam Shenim who Ganam doesn't apply, even though he's marrying an older woman, according to the Rivasha, doesn't apply because she's not Psula. According to the Shavos Yaakov, it, it would be okay if and only if he also had a, uh, a more... Uh, a more uh, higher type of motive as well, not just for her money. But that's what the Rivash says. Pruvu is a real issue. And that, Medina de Gemara, we should compel him not to do this. But the Menegas not to, he says, again, the reason is a little hard to understand. He says it would lead to, uh, it would lead to a lot of fighting and machlokas. It, it, it was just too hard for Basin to enforce it. And therefore, Basin stopped enforcing such things. The, the, the Ramah brings this Rivash in Shulchan Aruch. That Machabra just says, we force people, the halachas, you have to do it, basically forces people to do the mitzvah pru revu. Machabra doesn't acknowledge this rivash. The Ramah in Shulchan Aruch brings the rivash. Dark Moshe and the Ramah, he says, the minog is that Basin, again, in the Ramah's time, Basin still had considerable power. Basin did not use its power to force people to marry appropriately and to get divorced, for Basin did not use its uh, coercive powers to enforce these halachas. He says, a man falls in love or wants the money of a woman, even though that won't be the ideal woman for Puru Basin doesn't get involved. Medina Hayalimchazbo. Medina, really, we should. The Minagwas, Rivash says, the Minagwas, for many generations, we don't, we don't enforce this, we don't do this. Esar Shanim, we don't force them to get divorced. Sharon Yane Zivuk, Basin doesn't, doesn't enforce it. As long as she's not strictly usher, Basin doesn't get involved. Now, the, the, the Ramah is just saying, the Rivash is just saying, Basin doesn't enforce it. The, the implication is a person himself who asks the Shiloh, wants to do the right thing, should not marry someone who's infertile if he hasn't done Pru-Ruvu yet, and he should even get divorced if it turns out that, that, that his wife is infertile and he hasn't done Pru-Ruvu. This does not seem to be the Minog. From my informal uh, survey, my, my, my understanding is that it is very uncommon. I have virtually never heard of a case where a couple gets divorced because of fertility. Sometimes it, fertility takes a toll on the marriage. The, the marriage breaks up because of fertility. But one rarely, if ever, hears of cases where a couple uh, loved each other and were happy together, but decided to get divorced simply because the Mishnah in Yavama says that you have to get divorced, the Gemara in Yavama says you have to get divorced if you don't have children. There are a variety of different reasons the post can give. We, we touched on some of them, if there's a lot of money involved, if there's uh, emotions maybe, if they're particularly high. Again, the Gemara doesn't seem to consider that a factor. Maybe somehow if, if they'll be particularly distressed by their divorce. I mean, divorce is always stressful, but... Uh, now, so it's not clear exactly why. Again, sometimes today we know the fertility issue. If it's male factor in fertility, there's no point in getting divorced because the problem is him. It won't help him to get married to somebody else. But, so in many cases, we can have a, a particular hetzer. But you'd think at least in some cases where sometimes it's, a, it, 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 it's female factor in fertility, sometimes it is indeed the woman. We can diagnose it. Still, one, one rarely hears of the salacha ever being applied. So again, the basis is this revush. The, the most important... Uh, precedent we have is the Rivash, who says that despite the fact that the halach is pretty clear that we break up these marriages, Basin doesn't do it. The Rivash does not say that people don't have to get divorced. The Rivash just says Basin doesn't get involved, and, and until, until relatively recently, even, even today, no posik that I know of has gotten up and said, this halach is obsolete. Today we place a higher, va- a higher value on keeping marriages intact. Today we preserve them despite the halacha. No posik I'm aware of is willing to come out flat out and say that. But based on the Rivash, the Basin doesn't enforce it, and then other as far as Post can give, Post can often find reasons in particular cases not to actually apply this halacha. But again, it's a Gemara. The Gemara seems to say you have to do this. 
the Rivash gives us the biggest hatter, which is you don't always do it. Basin doesn't always force it. It's still a it's still a very big jump from Basin doesn't impose this on people to you don't have to bother with it either personally. But uh, that that's perhaps a further evolution of the halacha that poskim have looked for all kinds of reasons not to make up marriages. Poskim are sympathetic to people, and poskim have found reasons not to break up marriages. But uh, but still, the basic halacha is you have to. The Rivash says Basin doesn't coerce people to break up marriages. And from there, the halacha seems to have gotten the, the, the Ezra Kodesh, or we have Ram David Warman, the Bachacharov, says not only doesn't Basin force, Basin doesn't even uh, stro- urge, doesn't even recommend without compelling. Basin doesn't tell them flat out, we, uh, we, 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 we order you to get divorced, we, we tell you to get divorced, even that they don't do anymore. And even today, even people who ask Shilas, I don't know how often they're told that they actually need to get divorced. But, uh, but, the re- but the discussion lo- revolves around and largely begins with this Rivash, despite the fact, the Rivash is not very clear, but again, the Rivash tells us the fact, this is how it works, despite the fact that it seems to be a pretty clear Talmudic rule that you have to get divorced, and Basin should enforce it, the fact is, but they did, and the policy has become that Basin does not actually enforce this halacha for the kind of pragmatic and social reasons that he gives.